You're listening to a podcast from Blogging Heads TV. Hi, Mickey. Mickey? Hey, Rob. Oh, you're swigging some cola? Is that cola, Mickey? Is that a soft drink? It's uh, it's the new Mexican baby formula, Bob, that we're importing to... Uh, uh, it's it's like Mexican Coke. It's fabulous. I thought you were going to say that you're drinking out of that because it's so hard to get a plastic straw these days because of what the eco-warriors have done to your plastic straw ecosystem. But no, you're picking up on a different issue. Well, um, it's... Yes, it's uh, the baby formula shortage. Although you can't also can't find a paper coffee cup. It's like can't? society is collapsing. We can't make baby formula. We can't make paper coffee coffee cups. Um, and, and you know, I have so thoroughly failed to get past the headline story of that baby formula, the headline level of baby uh, formula story that I have to ask you what exactly is going on. I mean, I that, have heard it, people on Fox saying. They're giving baby formula to illegal immigrants at the border, but there's well, none are. for it's, American mothers. It, it's um, it's not that interesting. It turns out it's a, there's a supply chain problem from the pandemic, and then the FDA shut down this one plant because there was a bacterial infection, and and one at least one baby died mm. using this formula, and the, it uh, it it emphasizes the. To me, the corporatism is inevitable. I mean, there are only so many baby formula producers because of economies of scale. So there are like six of them. And if one of them is out, you have to get the other five in a room, fascist style, and uh, you know, force them all to agree to your common plan. Uh, it's not like a mask shortage where there are a million people that can make masks and uh, you know, when there's a mask shortage, in a couple of weeks, there are going to be plenty of masks because people are going to make masks. Uh, it, 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 there are only so many people that can make this baby formula, although humanity existed before baby formula existed. That's that's true. There is an alternative approach to getting milk into babies, yes. but it's complicated by the modern lifestyle, including working mothers. But uh, my question is, why do you have to get the five remaining formula makers into a room? I mean, don't Prices go up and encourage them to do all they can to increase They're supply. Apparent, well, you would think that's the way it's supposed to work, but uh, you know, uh, maybe there's some regulatory roadblocks that have to be removed. The FDA has to like go easy on this plant that killed the baby, uh, and and they're importing it from Mexico. That was the point of my Mexican baby formula. We, we've uh, we've uh, lowered the bars. Uh, apparently, we. We make ninety-eight percent of our own baby formula. We really don't import much. And you're so uh, you're in favor of that. You approve of that. In an emergency, no, in an emergency, I approve of importing baby formula. Oh. Uh, but you like it, you like made in America as a general. No, principle. I, I, I baby formula. Why should baby formula be different than oranges and tomatoes? I don't quite understand it. Uh, so uh, the other thing is, uh, um, what the shocking fact is that. The government buys half the baby formula in the country for the WIC program, which oh. provides uh, poor women, infants, and children with uh, actual commodities, which is stunning. So half the baby formula in the country goes to poor people, uh, which is way more than you would think. So that not that many, not half the people in the country are poor people, but you know a larger percentage of the babies in the country are poor. So is people. that complicating the response to this? Because all of it's I don't think so. I mean, they're 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 
I mean, are they is the government crowding out? Well, maybe there's mm-hmm. a way they've they've amended the regulations to to tell mothers that they can seek alternatives to baby formula with their WIC benefits. They don't have to just buy. I, I don't know what the alternatives are. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I'm, since I know little about lactation and its substitutes. Because I was thinking maybe a child tax credit could alleviate the problem and you'd be in favor of that. No, that would just increase inflation and increase the pressure on the limited supply. But I mainly meant this as a metaphor, Bob. Oh. Uh, I I, I attended a friend's bat mitzvah Mm -hmm. and she had this horrible... Okay. That's her girl. She had this horrible Torah portion. You know, you get a side of Torah portion. She had a horrible one, which which is about decorating the temple in Jerusalem, and how oh, there's worse to, stuff than that in the Bible. Believe me, I know. she could have done worse. <laughs> there's uh, and it, you know, it has to have this filigree and that filigree, and she she did a very good rap about how it, you know aesthetics were important and blah 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 blah, and then the fucking rabbi intervened and said, "May I suggest that this passage is a metaphor for the building of the church." Bullshit. It's not a metaphor. They're talking about building the temple and what decorations it should have. Not everything is a fucking metaphor. But Mickey, this I'm is, not sure you approach the ceremony with a reverence that's appropriate, frankly. I, I'm First sorry, of all, it's rabbi, not fucking rabbi, okay? <laughs> I I have a I have a in I have a uh uh ingrained hatred of rabbis. Because they're by that's definition harsh. Hate actual hatred? No, but annoyance. They're, by definition, people who like to hear themselves talk. I mean, it's a self-selected group. There's no like rabbi school you apply to and you get in and you're a rabbi. You just say, I'm a rabbi and I have a, I, I started Is there no credentialing? And, don't you have to go I don't to... think there's credentialing. I think you just have to get a flock. Hmm. Uh, so I can so, be a rabbi. I, there, there, I, I don't I've know. Been thinking it's you about time a for time. A, career, a little bit of a career shift for me. Well, a friend of mine did post a license plate on Facebook that said Guru Bob. Oh, yeah? I, could, I, I couldn't figure out how to get it to you, but I'll get it to you somehow. Um, totally. But uh, so yep. I, I don't, the Jews, I don't think are your prime target group. But anyway, maybe they are. I, look, uh, speak for yourself. I call, All I know is I call them rabbis, not fucking rabbis. Yeah. I have respect okay. for the oh, whole sorry. enterprise. Well, the, I do know rabbis who've, who've uh, played a meaningful and useful life in times of crisis for friends of mine. So if they just hold themselves in abeyance for the times of crisis, that would be good. But we have to hear themselves talk all the times of non-crisis. That's the problem. So wait, the metaphor was there. for the building of the meta of the church, the of the of the of the temple, you know, the, of the, temple yeah, the Jewish church. And so it was so, a so literally it was about decorating the temple, and the metaphor was about building the temple. That's not the most imaginative extent, metaphorical extension. Was I've ever imagine, heard of. I was also annoyed at the guy because. In the middle of COVID, he had us all sing songs. I, I just that. don't. Th- I just don't think. Well, it's a, it's a it's a super spreader event. Oh, there's that. Yeah, uh, singing is the worst thing you could do. So, um, anyway, it's yeah. I oppose. It's like the church should oppose sex because it might lead to singing, right? Um, <laughs> That's the, uh, uh, what is that? So, there is a joke. A, there's an old church that. Um, Oh, I know. Baptists oppose sex because it leads to dancing or something. Yes, what? that's yes. correct. Uh, I was uh, brought yeah. up Baptist, by the way, mm-hmm. and I avoid both of those things. <laughs> okay, good. Anyway, but this is a metaphor. It's a metaphor for the childish behavior of Chuck Schumer's leadership and the Democratic Party, which is dawning on people uh, that 
you know, if Schumer had behaved differently, they might have actually passed some legislation that they could take into the midterms, even if it was like trivial legislation, even if it was a tenth of what they wanted. They could have got something, and now there's nothing, and there's uh, a revolt in the uh, in the moderate Democratic ranks saying, "Why can't you give us some legislation that can pass? Maybe so." So it has to be whatever Manchin approves of. That, you, that's something. It's not nothing. Well, you mean legislation that could pass, pass, or that could pass the fifty percent mark and then get, and then the Republicans could no pass, kill pass. it via filibuster, pass, pass. Because Matt Iglesias was saying that they should have on on the row issue at least gotten past, you know, a more moderate abortion bill that could have gotten Manchin. They get past That's 50 votes it, yeah. and then they can blame the Republicans. That's a different issue. Instead of instead of just codifying Roe, which would have gotten Manchin's vote and then there were, it would have been all on the Republicans, they had to go beyond Roe and do like a super... Wait, this was beyond Roe? Bill. The, the, the oh, legislation? Yeah. What What oh, is yeah. beyond Roe? I mean... There were like 10 different reasons. There was, uh, you know... There, there were certain res certain restrictions that have passed the court's test after Roe, like waiting periods that it outlawed. Uh, there so were, would Roe uh, alone have gotten there mentions? Were, they, there was a mental health exemption up until the moment of birth that they instructed people th to liberally interpret mental health. So basically, it's like an invitation to anybody that wants an abortion up until birth can get the abortion up until birth. Uh it, so there are a but bunch I don't of ways think to, which a, a, row, a bill row. That, that just exactly mirrored Roe would not have gotten Manchin's vote, probably, right? Oh, he said it would. Really? Yeah, he went to the caucus and said, I'd vote for the but this I'd vote vote for codification of Roe, but this goes too far. This goes way beyond that. So okay. uh and then they could have said, Yes, it was blocked by Republicans. It it uh and it, it, you know, but I think that I think what they were First, they did. They wanted to make sure that no Republicans voted for it, so they, they they could have this talking point that all the Republicans voted against it, and then they relied on the bias of the press to say the Republicans blocked it with a filibuster, uh, which is technically true because the vote was technically on something that is a filibuster, but they didn't even get a majority. When people say blocked on a filibuster, they generally mean the majority was blocked by the sixty-vote rule, and this. They only got 49 votes. There were 51 votes against. So, but they could rely on the press to sort of fudge that issue and say the Republicans blocked it with a filibuster. So, so then, um, but you're saying, row aside, there's actual legislation that could have gotten passed, like what, a very moderate version of Build Back Better or something? Yeah. I mean, there, first, there are tax increases that Manchin said he'd approve. Uh, Cinema right. might not approve them, but you know, maybe there's some common ground there. Second, there are you know, there are a bunch of there are parts of Build Back Better that Manchin said he would go for. Third, the thing that I'm scared of is, you know, a compromise on the child tax credit with a so-called work provision. And the liberals are incredibly proficient at writing loopholes and Swiss cheese like exemptions in a work requirement. The most obvious one, they're all suggested by this guy, Sam Hammond, uh, who's with the Niskanen Foundation, the focus of evil in the modern world. Uh, and he, uh, you know, he says, well, first we'll exempt uh, parents, uh, you know, parents with uh, kids under three, okay? In the welfare debate, that was half the population. So you just exempt them from any work requirement. I think he would go up to six. Now with the overall, the bigger child tax credit population, maybe it wouldn't be half, but it's a huge, huge chunk of people would just get out under that. And then, you know, they're, they're, People with barriers to employment and 
There are all sorts of ways that you can write uh, write exemptions, which basically mean that the work requirement is meaningless, but it gives Manchin something to hang his hat on. The only reason the, the welfare reform in 96 had very tough well work requirements is because Ron Haskins, the House staffer from the Republican side, washed over them like a hawk and blocked every one of them. Uh, we don't have a Ron Haskins now. Uh, and uh, and so, so I think I don't trust the Democrats to write a work requirement bill. So is there not still time to pass legislation before the midterms? I think there is time. A, there's okay. time anyway. I mean, there's there's 180 days or something. Uh, uh, you know, welfare reform itself didn't pass until June, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, plus, I think the filer faster thesis applies to legislation. I mean, all they have to do is gin up pressure on people who are swing votes and mm -hmm. get them to cave, okay? You can do that much faster now with the web, right? You yeah. can you can set off a firestorm so they it, instead of where it used to take them a month to cave, it now takes them two days to cave. So yeah, well, I maybe think if they say that like uh, that's half what I'm worried about. If they say half of it will go to buy weapons for Ukraine, I think they can get it across <laughs> the finish line. Do you think that was excessive? Forty is it forty billion or sixty billion? I haven't figured it out. It's there's been a total of forty billion of aid, but I think some of that is non-military. I mean, I mean, I the the but Rand oh, no, Paul no, 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 said no, no, no. sixty. Wait, no, that's right. Uh, Biden started out at thirty-three billion total, twenty billion of that military, and Congress forced him deemed that grossly inadequate and got it up to thirty-nine or forty right. or something, and then there was a a bunch of military aid before that, several billion yeah. dollars or so. Uh, I, I I it it depends on what kinds of conversations they're having with the Ukrainians. I certainly think we should not uh, give them that much military support without having candid conversations about what under what circumstances they would accept a ceasefire, a peace deal, and so on. Um, that's what I would want to be going on. Uh, and I doubt it is knowing. I mean, the administration says it's not. They always phrase it as whatever the Ukrainians want, you know. Um, but we do seem to be still keeping up with the drive to humiliate Putin. I mean, we have these two other countries joining NATO. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and David Sanger writes. I mean, Turkey says that uh, right. it has reservations. It has veto power. Uh, uh, this is to veto the entrance of Sweden and Finland into NATO. Uh, I, it could just be that Erdogan is bargaining and he's going to want something in exchange. Uh, but right now, he's looking like he could be the wrench in the works. But, but go your, ahead. Fr your friend David Sanger said, why not Ukraine? If Sweden and Finland yeah, I saw get that. in, why I not mean, Ukraine? That, that was a, I thought that, that would drive you around the bend. Well, the piece itself, I mean, yeah, it kind of bordered on editorializing, I think, uh, which he's not supposed to do. Uh, but it, it did also ask some some other questions that I did approve of. So the, the piece on as a whole wasn't as what bad. What were the as, other questions? Oh, I forget. There was a second, uh, maybe, I mean, maybe it was kind of like, could this, uh, could this push Russia into a corner type questions? I forget. Okay. It was but, all that they're, they're doubling down. Forget saying it for a moment. It, it, he said the administration was doubling down on its policy to punish Putin and make him in a much worse situation than before he started the war. And that just seems dangerous uh, in the humiliate Putin uh, vein. Yeah, I mean, the fundamental problem is you would like him to get only negative reinforcements for invading country, but 
given that, as I've said, uh, you know, the, the maximum form of that, like rolling back all Russian gains, not only after February 24th, but before, would is something he would consider completely unacceptable, an existential threat to his regime. Uh, but, not his country. That's a, just a really dangerous thing to do. But and we all, but we all know there's a difference between having somebody in a worse position and publicly humiliating him. It's like, it's like when you know, right? You, you, there are many people when their wife cheats on them, they can tolerate it, they hate it. But if it becomes public, then they're humiliated and they get a divorce. So uh, uh, the, it's the public humiliation part of it that is so dangerous. Uh, I think. I think. Yeah, look, that's been a big part of the problem all along. And I think people don't appreciate that. The the NATO expansion thing, it was not just the perceived security threat. It was it was seen as publicly expressed disrespect for Putin. And and look, but I, I just think in general, the the stewards of our foreign policy have been almost indifferent to this general factor in human affairs, which is that people hate to be publicly humiliated. And sometimes you pay a price if you do that gratuitously. Uh, but yeah, this is, uh, it's, it's a, you know, it's a tough pill for him to swallow. I don't think he's going to attack Finland or Sweden over it. But look, he can make a lot of trouble in the world. And he hasn't started doing that. You know, uh, buildings can start blowing up all over the world. People can start getting poisoned. Things can even happen in America. There's kind of, you know, you just... <laughs> You want to be uh, careful, leaving aside the nuclear war, regional war uh, concerns, which are the most immediate concerns. Um, you, you can't say he hasn't warned us. I mean, what could he do more to warn us? I mean, aside from blowing he, up a building. He literally warned us in 2007. But he's warned us today. Yeah, like the last two days, he said, don't do this, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. So, he said um, there will have to be some form of, I mean, somebody, either him or Lavrov or somebody said, there will be a military technical response to you know NATO membership of Finland or something or other. Yeah, no, what, he's he's warning us. Um, what did you What did you think of Jill's visit? That drove me up the wall. Oh, did it? I didn't pay that much attention to it. I mean, so she met the first lady of Ukraine in uh, Western Ukraine. Is that what yes. she did? Yes, and but it was like the day before Putin's May Day speech, although which which turned out to be a dud, but. Uh, well, in turned out to news. be, uh, in a way, encouraging. I mean, yeah. he didn't he didn't do the most feared things. Right. No, no general mobilization. He didn't uh, up the ante. Right. And I will say, look, if you're if you're straining for reassurance right now, if you're straining for good news, if you look at the way you know the map is shaping up, the Ukraine map in terms of who's occupying what land, you know, if you ask, what kind of map do you need to get to? where conceivably both sides could settle for a ceasefire, things have been moving in that direction. Like top of that list for Ukraine would be get the Russian troops out of the Kharkiv area. And the, the, we have they have been receding. That occupation has been receding under the Ukrainian pressure. They're not totally gone, but, but uh, there's a lot more breathing space. Um, Meanwhile, I think at a minimum, the Russians, as a political matter, Putin feels like a bare minimum has to be, uh, in addition to what he's got in the, in the south, uh, the the Donetsk and uh, Luhansk, those two provinces, which remember were the stated 
central to the stated aims to begin with. And there's more progress. The Russians are making more progress there. I'm not celebrating it. There's no news that's good in absolute terms in this war, but it probably is a prerequisite for ceasefire. Russia has been moving toward that a little faster than it's getting uh, credit for in the Western press. There are reasons for that. But anyway, they now occupy 90% of Luhansk. The, the remaining turf has one big, you know, pretty big uh, town, uh, Severodonetsk, about 100,000 people. So that, that will either become a big battle or the, or the Ukrainians will withdraw. And then after that, there's Donetsk and there's still a couple of big cities there. But uh, my point is, uh, you know, the opposite of this, you know, uh, Russians gaining ground around Kharkiv and losing it in the Donbass would be moving further away from a plausible um, ceasefire. And so if you want to try to find uh, some good, good news, these these two trends are. Why, why is why are the Russian gaze being downplayed in the press? Aside from the obvious reason, or is it the well, obvious Well, I just reason? think we are, um, I mean, Truly. we're viewing the whole thing through a Western lens to begin with. We're very, uh, the whole Western media think tank ecosystem. I mean, for example, the New York Times relies uh, very heavily, like very heavily, uh, on the Institute for the Study of War. Like it that's, often, the one by, that's the one with Kagan's daughter runs it or something? It's his, uh, it's Bob Kagan's sister-in-law. I think it's oh, the wife of his brother. But oh, yeah, it's, okay. a, it's it's a it's basically part uh, of the Kagan uh, industrial complex. Part of the, <laughs> I would say it's basically neocon, and it is funded by uh, arms makers. I guess among others, but it, get, it has gotten money from arms makers. And if you look at their reports, uh, I mean, first of all, credit where it's due. These right-wing hawkish think tanks. Uh, Institute for the Study of War, Foundation for the Defense of Democracies, which is, you know, basically devoted to regime change in Iran um, and and not having a nuclear deal with Iran. Um, What they're very good at is producing actual useful information for journalists. Journalists come to actually rely, sometimes they have scoops, or in the case of Institute for the Study of War, they have these well-compiled like maps every day on Ukraine and so on. But, uh, you know, if you look at like, here's a quote, uh, from like today's New York Times, uh, it says, so far, however, Russia has failed to make significant advances in its offensive from the north, and its troops have been repeatedly thwarted trying to cross the Sovetsky Donetsk River, leading to heavy losses and slowing their already plotting advance, according to Ukrainian officials and Western military analysts. Western military analysts is linked to the Institute for the Study of War. That's where that's coming from. Some of this stuff is flatly untrue. It looks like the Russians did cross this river. Uh, and the initial, uh, th- did you see this thing? The the uh, satellite view. Do you have do you have a a, a gentleman caller at the door? I, I, I somebody rang my doorbell. It's probably just the Amazon guy. But let me quickly run and check. Uh, okay. Right. Uh, all right. It'll take us one second. This um, is the beginning of a porn movie. We're well, actually, a- I'll just go ahead and, and 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 finish this spiel, and then you can assume you've heard it when you get back. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. I thought you were finished. Go ahead. Uh, so anyway, no, there was this uh, a lot of celebration on most of Twitter about the satellite images of all these tanks blown away at this river crossing 
where on both sides of it, tanks, vehicles of various kind, people were saying, oh my God, 30, 40 Russian vehicles. Some people said 50, 60, 70, all wiped out, failed river crossing. Um, today, if you pay attention to pro-Russian Twitter, um, where I maintain, you, you know, if you know who you can trust as at least trying to be honest and, and who you can't trust, I maintain you can get, uh, you know, a, a more balanced view uh, a, revi a revisionist view of this settled in where they pointed out. And when I first saw these pictures, I said, like, how do they know they're all Russian tanks? Well, that turns out to be a good question. It looks it's starting to look like some of these are Ukrainian vehicles. There was not one big wipeout of the Russian forces. Rather, there was a multi-day battle. Both sides took hits. In the long run, somehow the Russians seem to have gotten across this river and they are making advances. So, uh, but that's not the story you got uh, from Western media, not the story from the Institute for the Study of War, at least so far. Um, and so, yeah, Mickey, you missed basically nothing. I was just elaborating on a... You're still on the river. You're on the river, the river when well, I Well, it was here. a huge thing. <laughs> I was feeling good myself. I mean, it was unbelievable. I hadn't seen anything like it in the whole war. It was like dozens of wiped out Russian vehicles. And that was the story. But now, as of today, it's starting to look like not all, A, not all of them are Russian, B, the Russians did manage to cross the river. So um, now that this could turn out to be wrong too, but it's just uh, the West is, uh, we are not, we are not getting, a, you know, the, the thing about the Institute for the Study of War, I'll stop after this, but I, you know, you read their daily reports and it's always like uh, the Russians made little or no, you know, little or no, little or no, little or no, but then you, and you look at the maps and not much change, but then you compare the map this week from last week and no, the Russians are gaining why significantly. Would they, why would Uganda. they have an interest in down in, in being unrealistic? Because then what, at one point the Russians will have taken over the country and then what are they going to do? I don't know. And I don't want to be too cynical about anything. And look, the way these think tanks work, it's not like they hire people who will lie. It's, it's that the funding leads them to hire people of a certain perspective who earnestly put forth their perspective. These are just, it's just like confirmation bias. They are, pro, you know, they they are pro-Ukrainian, understandably. I, mean, um, I assume during World War II, I guess we didn't amplify Japanese gains and minimize no, totally our gains. Both sides. I mean, what if- Exaggerated if, during World War II. Why, why, aren't, what, why aren't the think tanks filled with like Jewish- worry wars to say, oh my God, the Japanese, they're, they're, they couldn't attack here. We're vulnerable here. Hey, the Russians, they could really kill us there. I think sometimes uh, you do get uh, perhaps some of that. But, but if you, <laughs> if you, you want to ask the, the cynical question, like how does this storyline serve the interests of the funders, the arms makers in this case? Well, look, the, the whole idea behind Biden suddenly saying, wait a second, we're going to put billions and billions and billions in is Wait, Ukraine can actually win, right? This is not still a lost cause. Right. That that's the storyline that is getting right. American arms makers a shitload of money. And the Institute for the Study of War is here to advance that storyline. Now, look, it's definitely the case that Ukraine is doing much better than anybody expected. And I, there's one other final asterisk. These western supplied arms are showing up in growing numbers. So it could it could turn the tide. I mean, it, it's a real challenge for the Ukrainians to learn how to use all these different systems because there's a bunch of different weapon systems yeah. from different countries coming in. Uh, but it could it could turn the tide. But 
I will say, you know, one advantage of following pro-Russian Twitter is like six weeks ago, these Russians with attitude guys said, keep your eye on a Zoom. It's it's this battle could be pivotal. Nobody else was talking about a Zoom then. Maybe this was eight weeks ago. Maybe it was nine. Gradually, the Russians won it. You still didn't hear much about it in the West. Then you started hearing it's an important staging point for the Russians. Oh, they've won it. Then like three weeks ago, the Russians with attitude guys are saying, keep your eye on Papazna. It's a, you know, it's not a huge town, but it's up on a hill, blah, blah, blah. Lo and behold, the Russians now have Papazna. These are now recognized as two very important holdings, but you don't, you just don't notice these yeah. things if you just rely on Western uh, coverage. You, they, they just, and, and part of it is maybe I'm more obsessed with the, the, the micro strategy of the, I'm more interested in this, in the war on the ground than, than maybe most readers in the New York Times. So they can just paint a very glossy picture and maybe well, nobody cares. I won't bring up the switchblade because that'll produce another, another Yeah, well, uh, some of those of are in action and some of the howitzers <laughs> um, are in action, but they but, have not by themselves turned the tide in the Donbass. They may have played a role in Kharkiv. Don't, don't you think the important thing now is to take the focus off Ukraine so Putin can lose it in, in private? And not make it a public humiliating event, but let the war happen. And if he loses, he loses, and no big deal. You know, uh, don't crow about it. Uh, isn't that the, the strategically sort of smart thing for us to do? Just like change the subject, like just just like Biden calls well, there are him things and you says, can change the subject. We got the baby formula. We got Roe. Right. We got uh, midterms coming up. We got the incredible race in Pennsylvania, which we'll get to. Um, yeah. But, uh, um, let's get it, to that. I mean, okay. Um, well, I, I have one more foreign policy question, which you can mm -hmm. answer quickly. Okay. What's what's so terrible about a Cold War? It seems like the Cold War. We knew what we were doing. We had our allies. Everybody was organized. There was purpose to our lives. We knew we had to sublimate our private interests to a larger goal, and we've handled the post Cold War incredibly badly. Yes, we've totally we fucked it up. Yes, we so. Uh, maybe a new Cold War with Russia or China or a combination of the two would be healthy for us. Uh, I personally think that uh, there are uh, global problems of existential magnitude that, that we have to get truly global cooperation on. I'm doing a, uh, this Tuesday, I'm scheduled uh, to tape uh, something with Ian Brimmer where we're both going to argue about uh, we're going to argue about whether NATO expansion was an important issue with Russia and talk about his new book, which uh, puts a lot of emphasis on artificial intelligence as a threat that the world needs to get its, you know, a, a grip on. I think there's a bunch of these kinds of threats and we really can't afford to spend another uh, decade or two barely talking to Russia and China. Um, I just, plus it's so ridiculous and wasteful. I mean, first of all, you may have noticed it's not a cold war. A ton of people are dying in Ukraine and, and a bunch of shit's being blown up. And, uh, I, I just, uh, I, I don't look, I mean, Elon Musk thinks we have to go to Mars because the world's going to implode. I say, let's actually try to solve the problems and keep it from imploding. But you can't do that if you're barely on speaking terms with extremely important countries. We should also talk about Elon Musk at some point, but you no, want to, yeah. so, he's so, on the list. So uh, Pennsylvania, yeah. So, 
Well, uh, I, my, I, you know, I, Donald Trump's man, the man he was supporting gubernatorial uh, primary lost. My my thoughts and prayers go out to you and Melania, Mickey, and of course to Donald. Uh, but uh, yeah. so take it What are you there. talking about? Oh, I'm sorry. I was getting that you was mixed Nebraska. up. Nebraska. Oh, Nebraska. Right, right, right. Right. So the Pennsylvania thing is the incredible race where where we have um, these two candidates, both of whom are fake MAGA candidates, pretending that they're MAGA candidates. Dr. Oz, who seems like, you know, only a, only a few years ago was talking about top surgery for trans kids. And now he's pretending he's MAGA. And uh, and um, Dave McCormick, who's a Wall, you know, Wall Street hedgy married to a Goldman Sachs wife who's clearly a globalist at heart, mm -hmm. pretending he's not a globalist. So those are two unsatisfactory choices. And all of a sudden, this completely unknown black woman, Kathy Barnett, comes like uh, like Rich Strike down the stretch. Rich Strike uh, being the horse that won, the long yeah. shot that won the Kentucky Derby. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, who I was sure was on drugs, but apparently he passed his drug test. I mean, I've never seen a horse go so fast. <laughs> it was fast, but you look at it. I mean, he 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 caught some breaks coming around the last bend. He was on the inside track, but it wasn't especially obstructed. Made a key move at the end. Uh, but he I will was say, faster than the other horses. But I will say, if they don't want their their horses on drugs, um, they really should do more than the wrist slap they gave the whatever the trainer or whatever last year. He got like a two month suspension or something, a few months for totally undermining the integrity of the Kentucky fucking Derby. This is Baffert. I thought he was banned from the Kentucky Derby. Uh, maybe I'm completely confused. Yeah. Anyway. I, I mean, maybe, oh, okay. So maybe he was suspended from something else. We can, uh, we'll have this corrected by the parent. Um, wrong. Uh, so anyway, this, this woman, and this woman, seemed, she calls herself an ultra MAGA. She seems to be, uh, you know, very, very appealing on the surface. And then there are grave doubts about her, her, uh, her, story. Her Did story. She claims that she's the product. First, she claims to be the product of a rape. Of her, her mother was eleven. Mother's, her mother's or, raped at eleven. Chose eleven or twelve. Chose to keep the baby. She's cut an ad, a four-minute ad where her mother appears. Her mother seems totally grounded. And but you know, people who claim they're raped. I don't know. Do we believe it? I guess we believe it. Mickey, um, I think we want to say that often we believe it, right? I mean, come on. Often we believe it. 11, maybe especially, yes. But anyway, okay, so there's that. And, uh, I mean, and, I mean, but she I seems mean don't make it sound like, well, anyway, go ahead. She, she seems, well, you never, we'll never know. So anyway, it's fine. It's a fine message. Uh, she seems a little phony in the ad. Her mother seems very unphony. Uh, she sort of has one of these talk radio personalities. She has total gift of gab. Very uh, sort of moving orator, it, it, you know. Her she's she is now finally documented that she was in the National Guard, so that part's good. Uh, but she's sort of it's like pulling teeth getting her to verify these claims in her uh, her biography, and and people worry that you know she's going to get past the election date, which is next Tuesday in a couple of days, mm -hmm. and then the Democrats are going to discover. Oh, there's all this fiction in her background. Sounds course, sounds great to me. Of course, the last guy with all sorts of fiction in his background was Joe Biden, who lied yeah, about look his, at him. Lied about where he was in his class and all these awards he won. And but it was the same sort of your bullshit detectors went off when Biden ran through that string of of academic credentials and and this woman running through her her string of credentials. 
so she might win. I mean, there, there's sort of two theories. One is she might win and Trump's in, Trump attacked her, but in a way that said, of course, if she wins, I'll support her fully. <laughs> so it was like a really vicious attack. He's sort of, he sort of half endorsing her. Uh, and the other thing is that it's, it's just the only way that McCormick can possibly win because he is sort of like, doesn't have Trump's endorsement, so he's not going to win the MAGA vote. So what vote is he going to win? Well, if the MAGA vote splits, then he might sneak through. So he got 23 and the others both got 22. Uh, that's that's his best strategy. And he's the sort of guy who you think he's going to find a way to win. And this would just be a uh, suitably brilliant conspiratorial way, way to, to pull it off. Yeah, I predict she will not win. That's my prediction. I don't want to make predictions. Uh, it, it's it's too close to it call. Just seems like like the, it just seems like uh, she all the good, you know, I don't know. The way you describe it, it sounds like it's all downhill from here. She's got well, that the the burst from of uncritical positive attention, and you know now now and the, the faster print, the final faster print would suggest there's plenty of time for her to fade, and then there's come three back. days. There's three <laughs> days and come back and fade again. Right <laughs> there. Uh, the the counterexample of that, but this is a in maybe in a pre filer era. Uh, was Arnold Schwarzenegger when they had these? Uh, they they came up with these groping allegations, and it was like it was the equivalent of today. It was like Thursday or Friday before the election. Uh, and uh, this was pre Me Too, and and he handled it, it smartly by saying by basically admitting it in vague terms, right? And but he, then he stalled them, and he attacked the L.A. Times, and he managed to stall them for five days until the election. Okay, I don't think he could do that today. I think you can't stall people for five days. Uh, so, uh, I, I think you're right that there is plenty of time for her to fade and he can fade, uh, but maybe he'll like her. I mean, she's very appealing. And then what about and Georgia? Some, and some people on the right are, are going to her side. Some MAGA people are, are saying, Hey, let's be for her. So Trump is, yeah. Trump is with Oz, Dr. Oz. He's endorsed Dr. Oz. Yes. Okay. Uh, uh, so it's he, close enough that any of the three could win. Correct. It's a basically a statistical dead heat. So then Georgia will be a big showdown, right? Mike Pence is lined up opposite Trump. No, it's not a showdown. It's a Trump is going to lose Georgia. It's not. For, oh, not for even sure close. already. Yeah, it's not close. Absolutely positive. That's delightful. I think you can take it to the bank. Yeah, that's delightful. The the, the 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 Trump candidate Purdue is twenty points behind. Oh. I don't know. I I don't I don't forgive Kim for for a nominating this obviously unqualified woman Kelly Loeffler. It's naming her to the Senate seat, okay, and they're therefore blowing the Senate seat uh, yeah, after but, incredible yeah, but pressure. He's running on him against the guy who also was told, lost in the he, Senate race and was a dud, right? Purdue. No, but this is no Purdue was a senator. The guy he was, uh, Kim he was lost, pressured. He lost. Didn't he lose the race? No, that's a different race. There were two races. Loeffler and Purdue were the two candidates. Loeffler. Did, Laffer was the one appointed by. She's the babe who owns the bas women's basketball team. Oh, I see. Okay, she's a, a, a basically a so rich Purdue donor. Is still senator running for governor? No, Purdue. They both lost. They're, well, that's he's what an I said. Didn't Purdue lose a Senate race? They both lost. They both lost on the same day. That was my point. Yes. Okay. We so agree. He's an ex senator. He's not still a senator. He's an ex senator. I know. I know. Okay. Okay. My point anyway. was. Never mind. Go ahead. He, he Kemp was was pressured to name another guy, Collins, who was a congressman, 
who knows how to run a campaign and presumably mobilize the right and and uh, to to uh, to name him as the appointed senator, and he probably could have beaten Ossoff. I mean, this is a pretty obscure fucking grievance, man. I mean, compared to the fact that obscure, he at least did Republicans, the right thing, it cost Republicans the Senate. I mean, didn't Trump try to intimidate him, the governor that is, the sitting governor who's running he stood for up to Trump. He stood up to Trump when Trump tried to well, intimidate him. Well, that seems to me a little, saving probably, the Republic seems a little more important than He probably than gave away, gave endorsing away too, the Mickey candidate. He probably gave away too much in voting changes to Stacey Abrams. Uh, although, it, it, you know, it depends how, how you feel about ballot harvesting. Uh, and so you're, you think, you're hoping, you think there were shenanigans. So you're hoping Purdue uh, will win then? No, Purdue is a lost cause. I'm not hoping Purdue. But you would like no him. But you would not particularly. I Kemp, Kemp does have this one good thing on on his side, which is the saving the republic part. The uh, the not engaging in Trump shenanigans after the election, right? To uh, yes. Um, okay, and then but, what about and then what about Nebraska? I mean, that guy was a dud. Can't he was a candidate. groper? He was a groper, so he lost. That's not a big deal. Well, I, yeah. I thought that was almost a prerequisite. The, for I mean, Trump the, the Oz thing, the, the the losing. If McCormick wins, that'll be a huge blow to Trump because he completely dissed McCormick. And if any of the other two win, Trump has to have a claim. He could say, "Well, it turned out Kathy Barnett was was mm-hmm. okay, and she's a super Trumper." So hey. Oh, she is a I'm super Trumper. Yes, I okay. mean, she calls herself uh, Mega Maga or a Super Maga. Is, or McC- is McCormick an anti-Trumper? No, they're all running as they're all running pretend as pre- pretending they're Trumpers. Well, then why and is Barnett, it such a Barnett big... has a much a much uh, more 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 credible claim than the other two? She well, just she might be a total win, flake. Why doesn't McCormick win such a humiliation for Trump if he's a Trumper? Because he. The whole idea of being a kingmaker is you could say you're the king, yeah. you're not the king. So McCormick's the guy who said you're not the king, and if McCormick wins anyway, that calls this kingmaker thing in question. Uh, I think if it's if this, chosen... if this other horse comes out of the blue and is a super trumper and wins, and you've sort of half endorsed her now, eh, not that bad. Mm, I'm not sure. It plays anyway, out I don't. That way. I refuse to see everything in terms of whether it benefits Trump or not. It, the important thing is. Will it enable the Republicans to gain control of the Senate and stop Democrats from passing a large amnesty and an expanded child tax credit? And uh, the question the question of, of will there be a Republican or Democratic majority is sort of hanging in the balance because it's not clear that this Barnett woman can win. She's running against a very strong candidate. I mean, it's not a they don't it's not like they have a flake running against her. Who's running against her? Well, this guy Fetterman, the lieutenant governor, is gonna win the He's that, is he side. that huge guy? He's the Paul Bunyan guy wears shorts. Yeah. He doesn't look to me like that great a candidate. I mean, like when he talks and stuff, I just don't think, you know. That's his power. He seems like an everyman. I, I assume. See. Except and he just three times works, he's like, big. He's like the Dave Weigel of, of candidates. He goes to every fucking meeting in every fucking county and he just works his tail off. Plus he looks like Paul Bunyan. Yeah. So, and he, I mean, he, he's obviously not pretentious, right? Okay. He he doesn't have that. Uh, how, how tall is he? Like six eight know, he, or something? It's he's not him running against a wall. He, you know, he could run against. He could beat all of them. Him running against the Wall Streeter. Okay, he could kill them on the Wall Street point. So he him will, running against Oz, he could you know kill him as a as a fake MAGA guy. 
And him running as Barnett, he could say, I'm a sane person. This woman is a total loon. But uh, we don't know if she's a total loon. I mean, doubt he'd put it that way. But they're, they're definite like intim intimations of looniness. looniness. And they wouldn't bother me if, 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 if she wasn't going to lose. So anyway, that's, it's incredibly exciting. You'll, you'll, just, take a, you'll take a winning loon any day. Yeah, I mean they had they had senators they had the they had the stupidest man ever to serve in the history of the Senate as senator for Pennsylvania. I mean, the senator for Pennsylvania doesn't matter. What matters who, is who, who has that? the majority. Who was? I that? think his name was Scott. Huh. Uh, I don't know. I I forget. Not Hugh Scott, but somebody else. Um, or maybe he was from Virginia. Sorry, he was from Virginia. Never mind. Uh, but um, it doesn't matter who's the senator for Pennsylvania unless you're a constituent in Pennsylvania. What matters is who controls the Senate. Uh, so, um, okay. Uh, and Oz is now attacking her, which is incredibly risky because then he, you know, I mean, she sneaks in because Oz and McCormick were in a fight. And if Oz now gets in a fight with her, then McCormick might sneak through. I mean, there's always a danger if you go negative, it tarnishes both sides, right? And then the third person sneaks through. Well, Oz has taken that risk. Uh, anyway, so I guess I would put my money on McCormick. He's the okay. sort of guy who always, he's the sort of guy who always gets the lucky break. It also sounds like he has the best chance in general. If you assume that that's what Republicans are thinking about. I'm not necessarily thinking voters. that, but I, it just sounds like he does. So, uh, Elon Musk, I think it was this morning. He tweets, Twitter deal temporarily on hold pending details supporting calculation that spam fake accounts do indeed represent less than 5% of users. So I guess Twitter had said that in the past. Now he's saying, suggesting that if he doesn't get reassurance of that, corroboration of that, he might back out. But then he tweets a couple of hours later, still committed to acquisition. Well, I mean, I think Matt Iglesias made the point, and it's an obvious point that many people have made. The value of tech stocks has plummeted, okay? So he want, he doesn't want to pay $44 a share anymore for this thing that, where he's like wildly overpaying now. So he seizes on this, uh, this, this possible flaw in what they promised as part of the deal, which is that less than 5% of their users are spam and bots as a way to hold up the deal and bargain for a better price. I mean, uh, completely rational behavior. It doesn't mean the deal is off. Uh, I don't know if it's. I don't know if he wins that. He may wind up paying through the nose. Uh, but uh, uh, well, the other it, it is. It isn't just that Twitter has dropped. Tesla has dropped along with for various reasons. Right. But uh, including concerns about uh, the effect of the Twitter acquisition on the price of the Tesla stock. In fact, after the first tweet. Uh, when it sounded like the deal might not happen, Tesla stock went up appreciably. Oh, I didn't realize that. Oh yeah, I thought, a lot, I thought that I thought it was that he had a lot of Bitcoin investments, and Bitcoin has fallen through the floor. He could have those, but I mean, remember, you you dismissed this last time around. The way now he does have less, I guess, personal debt on the line than we originally thought, because he's rounded up some backers to help him supply cash for the Twitter deal. But still, he's borrowing a lot of money. Uh, the collateral is Tesla stock. And if Tesla stock gets below a certain point, I he's got to either, I think, 
give the bankers actual cash or I increase the amount of his Tesla stock that constitutes the collateral. Anyway, it's like trouble for him if Tesla stock gets below a certain point. It's been dropping, as a lot of things have. And, I, you know, I just looked at the price earnings ratio on Tesla stock. And even now, even after all the dropping it's done, um, it's way high by conventional standards. So like Google's price to earnings ratio, that's the price of the stock compared to the actual earnings of the company, the seeming value of the company based on earnings. Not that that's the only metric. Google's is like 20. Uh, Ford's is like five. And well, you Ford, know, is, Ford is a junk company at this point. Well, right, but they're going to come out with this electric pickup that I think is going to do a lot better than the Tesla pickup. Personally, you tell me. You know this stuff. I don't. Right? No, I think I think I think it. It, it depends if they've redesigned the Tesla pickup. I think the the Ford the Ford pickup is the best. Uh, you know, the F one fifty is the best selling vehicle in America. Plus, it so, looks like uh, a pickup truck and not a spaceship. Correct. And 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 I think people who weighs, buy pickup trucks like things weighs, that look like pickup trucks. It weighs trucks. six thousand pounds, and Ford has a shitty quality rep at the moment. Anyway, well, I, but it has this great thing where if if the apocalypse comes, it'll power your house for a week or something as a battery. <laughs> you get something right, uh, for that. Anyway, look, uh, leave that aside. Okay, so that's five. Anyway, Google, solid company, twenty. Nobody has grave, serious doubts about Google. Twenty. Tesla is still at a hundred. Okay, its price earnings ratio is five times. So if it if it just came down uh, by to fifty, still exorbitant, but closer to reality, he would be in trouble with his debt, as I understand the way you're, the numbers work. Okay, so you're, I, you're depressing I, me. I'm a Tesla shareholder. Well, look, he, I would think twice. I would think twice. Tesla's gonna. A lot of companies are coming up with electric cars. I assume some of them will do well and Tesla's going to have a lot more competition. And right now, its its success in actually making and selling shit is not nearly enough to account for its stock price. You you do, do I guess as you that's wish. that's right. And, 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 and buyers are incredibly fickle. So it's not like he has brand loyalty. But then I every time I, I mean, I mean there are all sorts of electric cars. You see mm. them all over the neighborhood. But, but then I go down to the local stoplight and it's, Tesla, 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 Audi, Tesla. No, there's Tesla. a bunch of them. <laughs> like, okay. But like, I don't know. I, I, um, who, who knows? I will say, you know, it's not unrelated to Twitter. If you ask, well, well, where did the rest of the stock value come from? How did he get it so high? A lot of the answer is the way he uses Twitter. He he turned it into a meme stock. It, it's, it's, well, it's you he, know. Hasn't he also, uh, isn't he also, hasn't he combined it with his solar company? And they, you know, they they assume he th he thinks of new ways to make money, not just electric cars, right? I guess the solar company, yes. I think SpaceX is a separate company, right? Um, I'm not sure about the solar, solar company. city. I, solar city, I think is. By the way, there is a theory. I heard this on uh, the podcast of one of your favorite people, Aria Cohen Wade, who's also a big fan of yours, as you know. Um, he reads me closely. He does. Uh, the podcast culturally determined. Uh, there's some guy who was on there with a. Theory that basically this sounds a little far fetched to me, but the but the reason Musk, as I understand the theory, wants to buy Twitter is that Twitter was working for him. He uses it to pump up his stock and create the cult of Elon and all this shit. And he's worried that all this talk about reforming Twitter will will turn it into a platform he can't exploit. That sounds to me too far fetched. But that seems, that seems very convenient. 
for for the left to say that oh he's worried about that our our super coordinated uh, disinformation campaign is going to hurt him. I don't think it would hurt him that much. The uh, see, I, I guess the other thing is that he can always sell out to a big auto company. So Toyota can always buy him, and they, everybody he'll be there'll be a huge bidding war between every big car company in the world to buy Tesla. Uh, so it, you know, it's not like it's not it's not like if, if they start to gain share that he he, he has no recourse. Toyota sort of befriended him, so there he's already sort of semi-partnered with Toyota. But they, but are they going to want to buy it at 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 a hundred times? Uh, you know, a hundred. No, price they'll try to bid down the price. They're not idiots. But if there's a bidding war, then the then the price goes back up. So uh, I don't know. I, it seems to me uh, it's a pretty safe bet. But what troubled me this week was that he started backpedaling on his free speech thing. I mean, he gave an interview where he said, "Well, if a tweet is wrong." Uh, or bad, we can delete it and we can impose a timeout. On, I mean, it's, it's no, that's how the deal was. We, Twitter doesn't decide what's wrong or no, bad. I, I mean, uh, and, and, and impose, start imposing timeouts or shadow. He even he acknowledged that they could shadow ban people, uh, shadow ban individual tweets. I mean, he, he's backpedaling, giving up a lot of ground. And, and the, my only saving grace is, when he was starting Tesla and the UAW started to organize, he said, yeah, well, we might we might let the UAW organize. So that got him a big loan from the Obama administration. But he doesn't want the UAW to organize. So he'll fight it to the nail. So that was just a bunch of bullshit he was spewing and to, to placate people. And I, I'm hoping this is about just a bunch of bullshit he's spewing. Yeah, in general, people. it seems to me... <laughs> His tweets since since uh, the acquisition was agreed to have indicated that he's only slowly coming to terms with how complicated a problem this actually is and how much of a headache owning Twitter can turn Jack. out to be. He's been well, talking to Jack. These, it, it is genuinely a complicated problem. I mean, you you got all these laws in all these different countries. They have different laws governing speech and and uh, I don't think it's that complicated a problem. You don't fuck with political speech, even if it's false, and you don't empower an army of millennials in San Francisco to start uh, rigging the game. Yeah, but... Fuck that. But just decide, distinguishing between, like, I was listening to a podcast uh, where some guy who's had a lot of experience with this made a distinction between, uh, like, decorum content moderation. In other words, you can't say, fuck you, asshole, or they'll kick you off. I just said that five times. On this show, I'm yeah, trouble, yeah, that's because we run a very liberal platform. Well, YouTube, YouTube is notoriously unliberal. We may be in trouble. But anyway, go ahead. Anyway, and then there's content, substantive content moderation, uh, getting getting facts right or wrong, and then there's viewpoint moderation, and the lines just turn out to be a little blurrier. I, I, I mean, then you might think among those. I will say one of the cleanest lines is decorum versus the other two. That's relatively easy. Uh, and, and I guess you're saying, look, he shouldn't be in the business at all of speeching, uh, of policing <laughs> true versus false uh, speech. Like, um, you know, if you, uh, I don't know what the extreme case would be. Uh, I mean, there's everything ranging from Holocaust denial. I'm sure you're <sighs> against policing that to... Uh, Information that some people would say is dangerous. Um, well, that, kill, that, all, kill, kill all the Jews now is sort of the limited case. And 
I would. I guess I would not let that in. Okay, so but but, but even, even that, even that, there's a blurrier line between that and what is more like a factual assertion about an ethnic group or about what they're up to or blah blah blah. Right? I mean, it, it's just not. Right. I, I. It's right. not I, as easy. I, as you I let think. that stuff in. You're right, but there's 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 more liberal and less liberal, and I assume, you know, his dial will be dialed to more more liberal. Than, than the current regime. So the, if, 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 in a way, this is the best of all possible worlds because he's already had a good effect on Twitter. You know, the playing field is leveling. Executives are jumping out the window of the San Francisco headquarters. Uh, they, uh, the, you know, they, the, it, it's already gotten much better. He doesn't have to buy it to have an effect. He just has to constantly be buying it. So if he <laughs> delays the purchase and, you know, always be buying Twitter, Always be uh, fine, then he, he he achieves half the effect with zero costs. So you know, just keep buying Twitter. Just don't give up. Uh huh. That's the, you know. Uh, so a line from Glenn Glenn Gary Glenn Ross, right? Always be buying. Um. Uh, so anyway, that's um. So that's my, he, he, he in general he just tweets too much. He's going to get in trouble. He's going to fuck himself up. Well, I think by, that's the. I, so I think there's also a real question of just would this become so all-consuming for him that it hurt Tesla in that sense? He just gets distracted from his more substantive enterprises. The other question is like, why is he doing this? Somebody pointed out, like, you know, the conventional billionaire thing is like, if you wanted to buy influence, do it the Jeff Bezos way. Two hundred fifty million dollars for the Washington Post, not billion, million. And then you can, you know, you can platform whatever columnist you want. I mean, if Bezos wanted to get involved in this, and I think in in subtle ways he he is in terms of the opinion page that he's the people he left there. Um, he's he's but, but Musk is beating beating the hell out of Bezos in the PR influence world. Uh, he lost the big space contract. Bezos did. Well, Bezos uh, was behind yeah. anyway. I'm just saying. Right. If well, you wanted, I mean, I mean the, just, the Washington Post have that much influence compared with Elon Musk's Twitter account. I'm not so sure. No, that's what I'm saying. Elon Musk already has the Twitter influence. He's not going to get more by virtue of owning the platform. That's what I'm saying. Why this is does not seem to be an influence bid. I think if he thinks it is, he misunderstands the situation. No, I think he sincerely believes that. I think I think he's sincere. I think never, never, never rule out the possibility that somebody is sincere uh and, and the other thing is i mean the guys in five-hour meetings you know workshopping problems with like technical issues in the rocket booster okay he, he goes and tweets that's his version of a, of a coffee break it's a good time it's his little you know yeah. little enjoyment at the end of the day is tweeting uh you know i mean i don't know give the guy a break so what is there anything else we should talk to before retreating to the pair room? It has been uh, roughly an hour we've been talking. Uh, there is inflation. I think it's hilarious that there the is. fight for 15 minimum wage is no longer an issue because $15 buys you a cup of coffee. <laughs> it's like, okay, $15 minimum wage, sure, no problem. Uh, so wait, that $15 doesn't going, mean anything anymore. Is it's that, like worth that is going to pass or something? Or you mean it's just happening It just passed in California. It automatically raised to 15. Uh, it, it, yeah, now it's, I don't think it's, a, I think it would pass easily. It's not a big deal anymore. Thanks yeah. to Joe Biden. I mean, we're big at 8% per year inflation. Uh, 
not uh, by itself lethal, and it didn't go up this month. It went down slightly. But, the, core uh, went up, the core went up. The press is trying to say, oh, it's abating. I don't see any signs that it's abating. It's, it's, uh, if you ignore volatile energy and uh, food prices, it, it mm -hmm. went up. So I take my cue from Jason Furman. I don't think he saw this as a good report. Um, so uh, it, it, it's, it's interesting that the Vox, all the Vox people, including Vox itself and Ezra Klein, have now decided uh, we were wrong about inflation and they've decided to eat shit about it. And Paul Krugman uh, too, right? Has Krugman, has Krugman done that? He was making noises like that months ago. He, he, he's been preparing the ground for a retreat. But for I a think while. He's, I haven't seen him actually do the thing that he was preparing the ground for, which is well, he, he mea culpa. He, he's been saying, look, I, I could, it could turn out that I was wrong. He was saying that a couple of months ago, so I, a few months ago. So I, I don't know. The, That's um, different than saying I was wrong. I just, uh, I want to make quick mention of this Palestinian-American journalist who was killed. Uh, and, uh, I mean, according to the Palestinians by an Israeli soldier, Israel uh, says it could have been a Palestinian. Apparently there were, there were guns on both sides. But uh, this, did you see this video of the funeral procession? This got a huge no, amount. I of, heard about it, but I didn't see it. It's just kind of unbelievable. I mean, I hate the word optics, and that's not the only reason to condemn something, but it's like these Israeli soldiers, it's like these guys, they're carrying the casket, okay? These are the pallbearers, and they start beating the pallbearers. I mean, did they, just, they beat the pallbearers or the people around the pallbearers? I, no, I, I, they, I didn't they, see they it. They beat a pallbearer. Now, they may say, well, if you'd started the video a minute earlier, you'd see that this. Paul Bearer did such a, but that's so far the claim is not that. The claim is that uh, what Israel officially says about this is that um, that there were nationalist incitements. I mean, for example, on what I think was the hearse, uh, there was a Palestinian flag. The soldiers ripped that off because the Palestinian flag is it's illegal to 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 have one in in Israel. Um, but uh, they're not they're not even claiming that much in the way of uh, in the way of provocation. So I don't quite get it. Uh, I mean, I guess it's just a couple of soldiers with exceedingly bad judgment. But um, it's getting it just seems to me like it's getting just a ton of I have, uh, I have of no play. comment. Long experience of the New Republic says, wait and see what the defenders of Israel say before you decide. Well, I'm not even talking about the they shooting. They usually come up with something. I, it sounds to me like the no, shooting itself is not. I'm talking yet about the, I'm talking about the pallbearers. I, I said well, no, but I'm. But what I'm instances. saying, what I'm saying is, if you're a soldier in that situation, <laughs> it's like you. Uh, not that all of these guys are supposed to be public affairs consultants, right? Or you know, uh, but the, the wise thing to do is don't don't. Don't assault a pallbearer. <laughs> that should just be, it's like nobody's saying the pallbearer had a gun or anything or anybody was in danger. What? What, what Israel's saying is there were nationalist incitements or something. I don't know. But yeah, maybe you're, maybe you're right. Like much. Say, I wanna, let's, let's visit the David Frum and. Okay, so we will Weiss return websites. to this a week. And if the pallbearer posed a lethal, uh, lethal threat, um, I hey, will. you can attack Dave Chappelle with a knife, and it's a misdemeanor in Los Angeles. So, 
I'm did not embrace that. Uh, the actually he didn't he didn't pull the knife on Chappelle, but he did pull the life knife when he was tackled, and he had the knife anyway. Was it was it quite a knife? I, wasn't it something a little less than a knife? It was. It, I think it was a knife and a replica gun, but I think it was a real knife and a replica gun. If it was okay. a replica knife, that changes everything. But, uh, but I think it was a real knife and a replica gun. Okay. Uh, so um, anyway, um, the uh, the I think the tide is turning on the who leaked the Roe decision. Uh, first, David Latt who runs a Supreme Court blog. He's pretty mm -hmm. respected. Is that above uh, the law still? I think it's above the law. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, he wrote a, he wrote a, uh, he, he said he thinks it's the left for, for the sole reason. I've heard other people say this. Um, uh, for the sole reason that the repercussions, if a right-winger did this, would be so much, if you're a clerk, a right-wing clerk, and you leak this thing, uh, the repercussions are so much more severe. If you're a left-wing clerk, You'll probably be lionized and getting get a gig on cable news. Okay, so uh, it's a career making event for the left people. You're Daniel Ellsberg. It's mm -hmm. a career destroying event for those on the right. What do you know? You uh, you, uh, you 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 undermined our our, our the, this court right when we were taking it over on this weird bank shot theory that you were somehow going to stop Amy Comey Barrett and Kavanaugh from joining Roberts because you published. It's originally it, it's it's starting to seem uh, relatively implausible, and it's even more implausible because Josh Gerstein and company are reporting that uh, the same five justices are still on the opinion. And what's more, Roberts hasn't even circulated his mushy mouth, you know, mushy sort of half half don't reverse roll but uphold Mississippi opinion. So they haven't even really started the negotiation. So why you would leak to that? When you're when you, that that hasn't even started, there's no reason to like panic about it yet. Uh, why would you leak to preempt a threat that hasn't really materialized yet? They haven't even started the process. They have a couple of months to go yet. So uh, it, it makes it completely plausible that it was a left winger and less plausible that it was a right winger. I've done zero thinking about this. Uh, I have nothing intelligent to say. However, I can say it's been an hour and five minutes. Uh, maybe we should adjourn and go to the parrot room. Sure. Uh, so what are you going to talk about there? Not that you can ever predict these things. Wild and unpredictable shit happens at patreon.com slash parrot room. But, uh, well, um, but there we are things we can Steve yeah. Schmidt's Steve Schmidt's meltdown. Always good fun to talk about. He's a former McCain advisor who I forget who he melted down at. Now says oh. he everybody. Now he now says he now says he didn't even vote for McCain. McCain betrayed him. McCain, you know, uh, a bunch of things. Uh, I don't want to give it away. Sounds for good. Free, yeah, you know? yeah. No, this is not. Uh, you don't do that. No. Uh, there's Dinesh D'Souza's film. Oh, and, and D'Souza's his uh, and his Tucker Carlson. Uh, right. And he actually was right about something. Actually, I can say what he was right about now. Oh, it, I don't know, was, man. That's okay. that sounds like paywall, like like precious content, because that's well, going to be a shocker. No, he Nish. made an he made an important point about Roe. Okay, okay. Uh -huh. Um, so and we just talked uh, about Roe. Anyway, I can do that. Um, there's this crazy woman, Nina, who's the gift that keeps on giving. The head of the disinformation board. The disinformation uh, board. What's that? 
in in the Homeland Security Department, they named a disinformation board and oh. appointed this crazy woke TikToker as head of it. And uh, okay. anyway, she now her she she had a crazy recent TikTok, crazy sorry, crazy former uh, something they unearthed from her social media trove, the treasure trove of insane things she said. Um, Sounds good. Uh, there's a. Uh, uh, there's a a test of two Korean identical twins that produced a 16 point IQ difference when one of them was raised in the U.S. and one was raised in Korea. Guess which country produced the smarter kid? Um, Actually, it's not obvious to me. I assume we're talking South Korea, not North. Yes, right. So that's where we're, I'm creating suspense for the paradigm. Um, uh, that's excellent. You're doing a, great work. J.D. Vance, child tax credits. Uh, uh, I know I, I saved the exciting ones for last. And we have this uh, this uh, TV series that I manfully attempted to watch. Station 11, God bless Station you. Station 11. Now, I, I, yeah, I want to say something about Station 11, which I manfully attempted to watch. I probably got farther than you did, although not to the end yet. Um, and also, did you watch some of Severance? No, but everybody says Severance is great. So I think we should perhaps switch to Severance. I have switched. Wait. I got through Severance. I told I thought you were gonna watch some Severance. I I I I that would have been a rash promise. I, I promised to watch the next two through episode four of uh Station Eleven and I almost made it, Bob. Uh it couldn't quite. Yeah, well, let's talk about how far you did make it. We'll give you some sort of commendation for making. I still have, for I still have things to say about it. Okay, stay. We'll talk about Station Eleven. It's it. it there is one very good line that emerged from it, and I will tell people what it was. You can you can spoil it for me because the chances that I'm going to watch it are. I'll spoil it in the minimal. pair room. If yeah. you if you really knew me as well as you claim to, you would be able to tell me what the line is like right now. It should leap out at you like this is Bob's. Mantra verse virtually. I'll 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 have, I'll have a guess at that in in uh, in the pair room, in the pair room. Okay. Uh, anything else? Uh, I mean, I have a bunch of little stuff, but nothing big. Okay. I'm going to talk more about this podcast, Dead End, uh, which is uh, a, a it's put out by the New York uh, Public Radio affiliate, and it's about a uh, a murder that happened. Not far from my house and uh, is possibly related to New Jersey politics. If you can imagine, New Jersey these politics. The, these are the Norcross people? Uh, the name Norcross has come up in this podcast. You know, we're not asserting Not anything. that there's anything wrong with it. Not that there's anything wrong with it. Anyway, I want to uh, catch people up on the latest installment. Plus, uh, look ahead and guess what they're going to say next. Uh, because there, there is... Uh, there's material that they may or may not be so bold as to juxtapose with the material they've ever. By the way, they got they got a call from Norcross's lawyers in the last episode. Uh, did, they, did, they, did they did they take it in the middle of the podcast? Did they actually have the? Well, it's it not like a me, live is it podcast. Like, is it like me me answering the door? <laughs> no, that was a little more produced than that. Uh, they did they did uh, have some. Uh, some some of the lawyers you, you heard the lawyer you heard the actual lawyers um but it was yeah the door was only an amazon package 
So we so, didn't uh, capture that on video um, or audio. So, so uh, Mickey, you may have heard uh, that the black, uh, we got a good image of the black hole at the center of our galaxy. I want to talk a I little made, about that. I made that. an amateurish joke about that on Twitter. Oh, did you? What was it? I said, we finally have an organizational chart of the Biden White House. Gosh, Mickey. Uh, I'm going to have to pause and laugh. Um, no, wait, I'll do that later. That was, but that was funny. I, ha I had a jokey tweet. <laughs> That I, if you want, I could get into in the parrot room. In any event, I want to get into the the etymology of the word parrot room. I want to ask if you know who coined, I, I mean, the etymology of black hole. Ask if you know who coined the term black hole and ask if you know who that person may be connected to and how. <laughs> and why hasn't that person been canceled? Because of, no, actually, I'll tell you what it is a reference to, black hole. The lack of life. No, black hole of Calcutta, because it was a prison in India where supposedly oh, prisoners yeah. went in, but they never came out. Right. But the question is, who thought that up and made black hole the term, and what is their connection to yours truly? Okay. Why did they call it a cosmic roach motel? I. You keep trying to take attention away from yours truly. That's um, the question: is what is the connection of the person who thought up the term black hole to Bob to moi? It's not the physicist whose house you bought. Mickey, maybe, maybe not. <laughs> okay. Jesus, you're a revenue disaster. You're a fucking revenue disaster. We're you're on the target. opposite. You're the opposite <laughs> of a fundraising asset. I thought he he was he also invented the multiverse. So what the hell? He didn't invent the multiverse. The hell of a house you're in. I'll tell I'll clarify that too. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh but I will talk there, a little there, there about is some, there's some stuff. And from Ellis's, Ellis's recent news items about they've discovered that uh, uh, you can uh, you could rejuvenate your brain and, and eliminate uh, mental decline by drinking the spinal fluid of young people. Something like that. Encouraging. The, um, so I'm looking forward to talking to you about that. Uh, I, I, I listened. I want to talk a little more about Tucker. Listen to a podcast interview of the guy who wrote the New York series, New York Times series about Tucker that you so loathe. Um, and uh, I, I have listened to more uh, of this book on the Russian Revolution and have a little more to say about the uh, the formation of Ukrainian nationalism and what's distinctive about it. Well, we you can uh, okay. Well, as long as you're getting important, I have an important point to make about. Trump's the effect of the shifting Latino vote on unlocking uh, one of our major legislative log jams. But okay, okay, that sounds uh, high gravitas enough. Uh, the uh, and you can you can dovetail the the uh, the the the, the confessory talk about his hit piece on Tucker with the behavior of Tucker's producer versus Tadesh D'Souza. Right. It's going to be uh, one big... It's other piece. It's a Tucker Fest. Okay. So that and other things in the Parrot Room at patreon.com slash Parrot Room. Um, also, we should periodically remind people to smash the like button on YouTube if they want to support us. That way you get more viewers. It's great. Um, or write, rate and review. We really should say these things at the beginning of the podcast. 
before everyone is bailed out. Not that anyone has, but I, I mean, just I, ha- I hate I hate it when they say things at the beginning of a podcast. It, it, you want to jump right into it, man. Yeah, but you know, those are the people who are big podcast successes. Not that we aren't, but those are the people. I didn't say I wanted to be a success. I just don't want. That's to what I admire about you, Mickey. You preserved your integrity and are in no other sense of success. I admire that in a man. Um, we need a song. That too. That's a perfect example of something these people have that we don't. So we'll maybe try to come up with one in the parrot room. Just improvise, just like Lennon and McCartney did. No, I just we did a song for the parrot to sing, but uh, I think I have one. Okay, we'll get to that. All right, see you in the parrot room. Okay. <laughs> 